Good morning. Welcome to Cypher Christian Church. My name is Donna, and I'm on staff here as the admin, and I'm so thrilled to be here with you this morning. If you're a guest at Cypher Christian Church, we extend a special welcome to you, and we invite you to go to the welcome desk in the foyer where we have a, a gift for you. It's been a busy summer. Got lots going on. Um, we're smack dab in the middle of Texas, Houston weather, so nice to take a breather, sit still, and we, um, we hope that this morning you just absorb the lesson this morning. We welcome you to partake in praise and worship. Um, it's gonna be a great morning. Make no mistake about it, Cypher Christian Church exists to cultivate fully devoted disciples of Christ. And We've got lots of opportunities for you to get plugged in, to get connected. That supports being engaged in Christ-centered worship, stewardship, and relationship. If you picked up a bulletin this morning, you'll see that we've got a lot of activities this summer coming up. One of the ones I want to point out specifically to you is we have a night of worship coming up on July 27th. It's going to be here at the church, 6.30 p.m. It's just a night to come raise our voices, and praise God together. It's going to be a fun night. So put that on your calendars. We'd love for you to join us. Um, There's also a lot of other activities. You can see the um, students are just getting back from a mission trip that was held here in Houston called CSM. If you see one of those students, grab them. Let them tell you about that trip. It is um, a life-changing experience for them, and I'm sure they would love to share some of the things that they, they got to do while they were there. A lot of service activities that they were a part of. Um, There's also a backpacking trip coming up. There's still one spot available. So if you have a student and they're interested in going on that trip, please go to our website and sign up for that trip. Dale is um, hosting that trip and it will be a very fun time. We have a blood drive coming up on July 28th. It's going to be in the gym and we have about four blood drives a year that we host. Jennifer Leonard does a great job of taking care of those for us. Um, She's the person that you'll want to sign up with, and her email address is in the bulletin. This blood drive is in support of Marilyn Jackson. She was a longtime member of COCC, and when she passed away, her family asked that in lieu of flowers that blood donations be made, so we couldn't think of a more fitting way to honor her by doing a blood drive here at COCC for her. So um, if you've ever thought about doing that, if you've never donated blood before, this would be a great opportunity to do that in honor of somebody. Um, There's also um, a grief share class coming up, and it is, um, it helps us deal with loss of loved ones, and um, it's, 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 it's a very helpful class. So anyway, just take one of these, put it on your refrigerator, look for opportunities to get plugged in. Direct your attention to the baptistry this morning. We're here to uh, baptize Austin this morning. I'm honored and privileged to be here to do this. And we're a little nervous and a little excited. And I know if you're visiting for the first time, you might say, he doesn't look like you. And I say, yes, we do. He's almost the same size as me. And we're told that we're very good looking, or my wife tells me I'm good looking. And we have a cleft chin. Look, right here, see? And we come from the same father. Isn't that kind of cool? So we talk about baptism quite a bit, and 
you know, Susan and I, we adopted two other daughters, and he's our third son, or our last adopted son, and he understands the word adoption. It's cool to think that when he's adopted, he becomes part of the family of believers, and we're all in this together as witnesses to what he's doing today. We give a lot of gifts to our kids, always. One gift that we cannot give comes only from God, and you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Are you ready? So awesome that you believe that Jesus is the Son of the living God. I do. You believe that He died on the cross to save you from your sins. I do. And that you believe that He died and rose from the grave three days later and sits at the right hand side of God. I do. This is a gift only given by you accepting that free gift. I baptize you now in the name of the Father, <laughs> and Son, and the Holy Spirit. And continue our worship here this morning in a different manner, another expression of our love toward God, and that's giving our offerings to Him this morning. I was cleaning out some stuff this past week, um, some old uh, electronics, some, uh, some sound equipment. It's funny, man, when you buy that stuff, you know get it home and you you unbox it that's a new term isn't it you unbox the stuff and you you take the styrofoam off of it and the little sort of styrofoam little package that it's in and then you then you just peel that little plastic thing off the face of the oh man I love that part and you plug it in and it just lights up from within, it kind of does its thing, you know, it's so awesome, like charms us somehow, hypnotizes us. And I was cleaning this stuff out, this is like, it's not even 10 years old, the stuff was like six years old, seven years old, and it might as well have been like a, I don't know, a harpsichord or something, it might as well have been a, some kind of thing from antiquities it was like this old piece of garbage this electronic that just captivated my attention this thing that we got that we thought we had to have that now like you can't even sell it on eBay <laughs> and in that the way it is you know we just put so much of our our desire and we we gather and we collect all of these things somehow sort of represent maybe who we are or represent the things that, that we love and then soon after moth and rust start to destroy these things and take them apart until the point where they're just completely useless and so uh, this morning uh, as we give it's just another opportunity to remember that our treasures are not here on earth that we're storing up treasures in heaven. What is the treasure of heaven? The treasure of heaven is not uh, gold or silver or some mansion. The treasure of heaven is Jesus. He is our focus. Um, where our treasure is there, our hearts will be also. And so let's set our hearts on Jesus here this morning as we give of our offerings. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for another opportunity to sort of recalibrate and, and set our minds on you. 
And God, we just pray that uh, these offerings, these measly little gifts that we give to you, these tiny, tiny offerings, Lord, would bless your name. And, uh, and that you would see that, Lord, um, while we wander, um, while we're so prone to wander, Lord, our, our treasure, Lord, we want our treasure to be in you. So we bless your name as we give here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we continue the series, The Hope of Heaven. Um, I was here last Sunday and got to look on as Kevin launched us into this series. I hope you were here. Uh, we had a, an incredible day, incredible message, and we're going to continue this series um, this morning, and it's a nine-week series, so we're going to continue to dig deeper and deeper and deeper into this theme, the hope of heaven. We're going to look at many passages of Scripture today. There'll be a few key passages, one in Revelation chapter 21. Um, there will be uh, a key passage in Revelation 6. Um, you might want to uh, save some of those places, um, but we will look at many, many passages that deals um, with heaven, and as we kick it off, uh, death. Uh, it's hard for you and I prior to the coming of Christ. In fact, it's impossible for you and I to have heaven without death. Have you ever thought about it that bluntly? You know, death and heaven are very relevant subjects. Uh, the mortality rate, the last I heard, was 100%. We're all going to die, Right? Right? And, and you know, here's some statistics. Three people die every second. 180 people die every minute. 11,000 people die every hour. 250,000 people die every day on planet Earth. A quarter of a million people die every day on planet Earth. It's mind-boggling, is it not? And you see, those 250,000 people, based on what God's Word teaches us, are going of one of two places. They're going to heaven, where God dwells, or they're going to hell, where God does not dwell. You see, I think it's very healthy for us to think about death. It's not a morbid thing, it's a healthy thing. Um, yes, we will live forever as followers of Christ with Jesus, but this body, I was walking across the living room and kitchen this morning, and this left knee just pops early in the morning almost every time I take a step, right? This body will wear out eventually. Maybe you're ahead of me on that journey, okay? Maybe you're young and you're behind me, but it's going to happen. Listen to these scriptures, just a couple, a couple that talk about our life on this planet. David writes, O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting 
I am. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. A breath. We hear similar words in the book of James. James writes in James 4, verse 13, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You know, the best way for me to illustrate this mist is to think about a cold winter morning. You breathe in, and when you breathe out, this fog comes out of your mouth. How long does it last? Like that. So let's practice. Let's practice just kind of engaging, leaning into this subject of death and heaven and um, not the winter fog, but I want you to breathe. David said life is like a breath. Breathe deep with me. Breathe out. Life is like that. Life is like that. Life is here, and before you know it, life is gone. I had a cousin send me a picture of my dad last night, and it's a, uh, my dad with very young babies. The young babies are my daughters. My dad died last year, and life has flown by. Life is a breath. Before I go further, You know the series is the hope of heaven. I'm not making any royalties off of this. Uh, I was supposed to say this at the beginning. You're going to uh, be given one of these as you leave today. It's a little booklet on heaven. There's a thick, thick book on heaven by Randy Alcorn. This is a little small pamphlet with a lot of answers in it about heaven. One per family, if you would. Then there's a few copies of this for you look at. If you want one, you can take it for $10. It costs more than that, I'll just say that. But we want you to see it because you can get these on Amazon. We think if you see it, you might um, be uh, more likely to get one. This is 50 Days of Heaven, a devotion. It will go hand in hand with this time we're in this series. And then this intrigued me, and, and Jennifer and I will be engaging in this book with our granddaughter, Heaven for Kids. That's pretty cool, huh? If you have kids or grandkids, it's a great thing to talk about. You know, I know so often as a pastor when dealing with death, the kids are our greatest fear. How is this going to impact them? You know, we're even afraid sometimes to bring them to a funeral, and, um, and I, I understand the hesitancy. These are on the counter out back in the foyer. And, um, and I hope you'll check it out. No more relevant subject than the hope of heaven. If you have your Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 1. 
Philippians chapter 1, hold that passage, and also then turn to 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 18. 4, 13 and 18. Early merchants um, wrote on the first page of their accounting book, Memento Mori. Memento Mori. It reminded them that death is coming. You see, their belief that death was coming hopefully would change the way they kept their books. Philip, a king um, who was father of Alexander the Great, he hired a servant. He hired a servant to say these words, Philip, you will die, Philip of Macedonia. Every day the servant was to say, Philip, you will die. Philip, you will die. He paid him to do this. King Louis XIV was just the opposite. He would not allow the word death to be spoken in his presence. Some of us greatly respect death and we're not afraid of death. We have questions about death. Some of us would rather not even talk about death like King Louis. And yet death is found again and again in God's words. Let's look at that First Thessalonians passage. First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians 4 verse 13. Paul writes, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Those who are asleep here, it's a euphemism for death. It's a euphemism for death. I I do not believe, and we could do a different study, I do not believe in soul sleep. I do not believe that's what God's word teaches. But in a sense, the body does sleep. Because the moment we open our eyes or in heaven, um, the resurrection has not occurred, but we have gone to be with the Lord. Immediately. So the body, in a sense, sleeps, but immediately when we open our eyes after death, we are with our God. And notice that as Paul is talking about that, he says, I don't want you to grieve as people without hope. I want you to have hope in your grief. He doesn't say, I do not want you to grieve. Do you see that? He simply says, I do not want you to grieve as those who have no hope. Grief is not sin. Grief's a good thing, right? Shedding tears is a good thing. Acknowledge our our loss is a good thing. Acknowledging our hurt, our pain, sharing that with others and sharing that with God is a good thing. He goes on to talk about the coming of Christ. He talks about the resurrection. He talks about the trumpet call of God. 
And then in verse 18, he says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. You see, death is not supposed to be the most discouraging subject we ever enter into. Because of our hope in Christ, we can encourage those dealing with death who've lost brothers or sisters in Christ because they can be totally confident in the destination, in the place their loved one has gone. Let's look at that Philippians passage now. Philippians 1. Philippians 1. Now, the Apostle Paul, we got to remember when he says these words, this is a person who's been at death's door many times. I can guarantee that he knew he was at death's door, very close, very much on the edge, more so than anyone in this room, most likely. He was stoned to death, he was left. They just left him outside of town. And then the believers gathered around him and raised him to life. He was shipwrecked more than once. He was beaten with rods, not bamboo canes, rods. Beaten severely. He was bit by a viper on the island of Cyprus. So he comes very close to death again and again. And yet look at what he says about life. For me to live is Christ and to die is what? Gain. I'm not sure that I wake up every day and say for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I die today, hallelujah. I'm just being honest, guys. I think Paul lived with a real expectation of seeing Jesus when he died. Paul said, if I live, it's going to mean fruitful labor on this earth. But if I die, it is gain. If you read a little later, he says this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Verse 23, I am hard pressed between the two. I want to be with you, he's saying, but I want to be with Jesus. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is what? It's better. It is better. Turn to another passage, if you would. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. This is one of my favorite passages for a graveside service. So if I started out on death and it sounded a little morbid, maybe it just got worse. How many of you like camping? Raise your hand. Man, that's a lot of people. I love camping. My wife, she's with the children today. If she was here, she would not have raised her hand, okay? She camps just because she loves me, but she doesn't really love camping, all right? And so look at this and picture this. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. 
By the way, we're not meant to live in a tent forever on this earth. Everyone agrees, right? No way. I love camping, but I'm glad to get home. I'm actually just glad to have a shower after I've been out on the trails, right? So a bed's even better. But Paul describes this body as a temporary existence. You see that? He calls it a tent. It's not a forever thing, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heaven. Every tent that I put up, I intend to do what? Take it down. And guys, we should be reminded every time our knee pops, our back aches, our hands hurt, right? That this tent's coming down. And you know what? Paul says, I can't wait. Because to live is Christ, to die is gain. I want to be with you, but I can't wait to be with Jesus. Now, guys, that's a very mature perspective, is it not? That's a very mature perspective. Maybe our journey today will help us move in that direction. Jesus, for me, helps me more than anyone else. Paul seems to be saying that the minute I leave this earth, I'm going to be with Jesus. The minute this tent comes down, I'm going to be with God. If anyone doubts that when we close our eyes in death, we then open our eyes to be with Jesus, look at this one passage. Look with me at Luke. Luke. Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. And I think before I read this passage, uh, as followers of Christ, let's just, if it's not been clear, let's make it clear. As followers of Christ, the moment we close our eyes in death, the moment we close our eyes in death, immediately, immediately, we open our eyes and we're in heaven. Close our eyes in death, open our eyes in heaven. Close our eyes in death, breathe in, breathe out, open our eyes in heaven. And heaven's an incredible place. There's a man on the cross next to Jesus. One man on one side is railing on Jesus. He's lowering the boom on him. He's letting him have it. And this one thief, a thief next to Jesus says, why are you doing this? He's done nothing to deserve this. You and I, we deserve to be here, but he does not deserve to be here. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. And here's what Jesus says. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me where? In paradise. A paradise sounds like a nice place to me. 
King Cyrus, the Persian king, paradise is actually a Persian word. And King Cyrus built these walled gardens. They were his gardens. They belonged to him and him alone. And if you were a, a inhabitant of his kingdom and you were invited to walk and talk with him in his gardens, you were the most privileged of the people in the whole kingdom. And you know what? When we die and we open our eyes in heaven, we're going to be in this place called paradise. We're going to be able to walk and talk with our king. We're not going to be alone. It's not going to be foreign. You think of the most beautiful place in your wildest imagination, and heaven's going to be better. And the main reason it's going to be better is what Kevin is already, the hope of heaven is Jesus. Jesus is going to be there. I think it kind of begs the question, this paradise word, what is heaven like? What is heaven like? Maybe you might ask it this way, what will heaven be like? But I, I just want you to know those are two different questions. Now, if you've lost me, get back with me. What is heaven like? That's a present tense question. What is? That question is about the present heaven. There's two distinct heavens in God's word and it doesn't take a pastor or a, a trained student of God's word to see it. It's very obvious and you will see it in a moment. What will heaven be like? That's a future-oriented question. That's looking out. What will? It's not is, it's will. That's a future heaven. And so I want us to take a few moments and look at present heaven, future heaven. I want to show you very clearly that it exists. If you have your Bible, turn now to Revelation chapter 21. It's the key passage that demonstrates there is a difference between what is occurring today and what will be occurring in heaven someday. And even the location of heaven. Today, heaven is in the angelic realm. Now, make no doubt, heaven is heaven wherever it exists primarily because it is God's dwelling place. Do we agree on that? Heaven can only be heaven because God is there, period. Jesus is there. But right now, heaven is in a place where angels dwell. We're not going to be angels, but we're going to go to that spiritual realm. But look at Revelation 21. Verse one. Then I saw, John is speaking, then I saw a what? Say the word. New. New heaven. And a what? New earth. For the first heaven, that's existing right now, the first heaven and the first earth, that's existing right now. We're living on it, right? 
had passed away and the sea was no more. Nine times out of 10, when people talk about heaven and describe heaven, they're describing the future heaven, not the present heaven. You say, Dale, you don't know what you're talking about. I think I do, and you will too. Look back at Revelation 19. You have the coming of Christ, you have the marriage supper of the Lamb, you have the rider on a white horse, all, horse, all in 19. In chapter 20, you have the millennial reign, the defeat of Satan, the great white throne judgment. Not one of those things have occurred yet. Y'all with me? And it's only after all of those things that we read these words. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying behold the dwelling place of God is with man he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither there shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. The world as we know it has ended at this point. You with me? It's ended. It's over. It's done. There literally is no more death because there's no more death. It's done. Hades, death, They've been cast into the lake of fire. It's over. We're going to look at that in depth in the weeks to come. But today I want us to look a little further. You have to illustrate the difference before we can talk about present heaven. I hope I've shown you a difference. Now let's look at Revelation 6. This is the present heaven. We're going to look at martyrs in Revelation chapter 6. Did you know that Voice of the Martyrs believes they're an organization that works with persecuted people in the world? They believe, their statistics um, that they share is that 150,000 followers of Jesus are martyred for their faith in our world every year. 150,000. So see, martyrdom to us is something that we're not up close and in person to. So try to think of that statistic as you see this picture. John writes, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. Christian martyrs. You see that? It continues. They cried out with a loud voice, oh, sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on earth, those who have killed us? Will justice ever reign, God? 
Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. There's another passage we will look at to illustrate this, but just step out on this limb with me. You see, I believe the martyr martyr saw what was still happening on earth. I believe the martyrs knew there was injustice on earth. I believe the martyrs knew that judgment had not occurred on earth upon those who had treated them so unfairly. I believe they're hungering, they're longing, they're talking to God. Do you know what we call talking to God? Prayer. They're in heaven talking to God. They have that privilege. You know, we have that privilege too, don't we? So they're talking to God and they're talking to God in one voice. There's unity in heaven. It doesn't say the voices of the martyrs. With one voice, they're crying out to God. Something else, they are not infinite beings in heaven. They don't know everything. Hence, they're asking God questions. In heaven, we're not going to know everything. Really? Oh, yeah. Present heaven, future heaven. I think we're not going to know everything. God is the only all-powerful, all-knowing, infinite God. We're his people. We don't become him. Guys, that's a beautiful thing. Learning forever, growing forever, worshiping, giving God our heart's affection our minds in everything we do for all eternity, it's an exciting thing. How long, oh Lord? I love the fact that God's not unconcerned. He responds and tells them to wait. Just wait. You know, guys, Life on this earth, waiting's tough, is it not? Waiting's tough. But you see, heaven present and being able to see what's happening on earth, your immediate question would be, and I get it, Dale, there's so much suffering and evil on earth. If you know what's happening on earth, wouldn't that rob heaven of its joy Wouldn't that rob heaven of what heaven's supposed to be? Uh, Not necessarily. Listen to this quote. It's my favorite quote for this week. Happiness in heaven is not based on ignorance, but perspective. Happiness in heaven is not based on ignorance, but perspective. Those who live in the presence of Christ find great joy in worshiping God and living as righteous beings in rich fellowship in a sinless environment. You know, the truth of the matter is, uh, in the end, the end of all things, 
God wins. And if you're in heaven worshiping a holy God in a perfect environment, even though you can see the earth, your perspective is transformed. You know God's going to win. You know God's going to make things right. I love the fact that they were ready for him to make things right. But he says, wait. Say, Dale, I just don't like this. I don't like this present heaven stuff. Well, let's look at a passage that's more positive, okay? So let's look in Luke's gospel, chapter 15, verse seven. Luke's gospel, chapter 15, verse seven. You have the story of the lost coins, the lost sheep, and the lost son, the son we call the prodigal son. When it comes to the lost sheep, you have one lost sheep and the shepherd goes out to find the one lost sheep and he leaves the 99. He finds the lost sheep and here's what Jesus said, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Say, Dale, that's not people. That's the angels rejoicing. Read your Bible more closely, okay? There'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one lost sinner who is saved than over 99 righteous. Guys, that's heaven rejoicing. That's all of heaven rejoicing. Verse 10 we read, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels. It doesn't say joy, the angels rejoicing. There's joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Last passage, Hebrews 12, one and two. Hebrews 12 one and two. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Look at that first phrase. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Just read Hebrews 11 sometimes. These are, it's the chapter of faith, all these people who are following God and following God, their faith is displayed in their actions. Do you believe all of heaven is cheering you on in your faith? See, I believe that. 
See, that goes hand in hand. We think of the negative of the evil and suffering on earth and how that might rob people in heaven of their joy. What about the rejoicing in heaven over one person who follows Jesus? What about the struggle of following Jesus in this world? What about those 150,000 martyrs a year who give their life for the gospel? What about you when you're making critical decisions in your life, one that's going to make an impact for God's kingdom, one that's going to make an impact for your kingdom? I believe heaven's cheering you on. The picture is that of a coliseum full of people and the participants on the field. We're the participants. You're a participant. I'm a participant. We're not supposed to be spectators. The biggest problem with Sunday morning is it can feel like a spectator sport. But see, Christianity, seven days a week, including Sunday, it's a participatory sport. We look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the what set before him? Joy, joy set before him. A moment ago, we talked about perspective impacting people's happiness in heaven. You see, I believe our perspective greatly impacts our, pers our happiness on earth. Our view of heaven impacts the way we live each day. Our view of God being in control impacts the way we think each day. Our belief in the fact that God wins in the end changes the decisions we make. You know, I encourage you over the next week, seven more weeks, to open up the Bible, struggle. Everyone doesn't agree on heaven, guys. There are people who believe in soul sleep. I do not believe it's biblical. Dig some on your own. Don't believe what Kevin says or I say or Travis. Look at God's word. Be encouraged that as a follower of Jesus to close your eyes in death is to open your eyes in heaven. If you're serving communion, would you come forward at this time? The writer of Hebrews says that we're to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated, his work's done at the right hand of God. You might say, Dale, you seem pretty confident about heaven. Well, I assure you, I'm confident about heaven not because of my works or my deeds. I'm confident about heaven because Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. He sacrificed his life 
for my life, for your life, for everyone's life, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Sacrifice. The joy set before him, the bread representing Christ's body, sacrifice, the cup representing Christ's blood, sacrifice. He was humiliated, he was shamed, he was betrayed. I pray that your perspective on life, your perspective on heaven might change the joy with which you live life each day. Father, we thank you for the incredible sacrifice you made that we might have life. Father, we thank you for Jesus, we look to Jesus right now as we take part in this table of grace. Father, we acknowledge that we don't deserve heaven. We don't even deserve to call you Father. We don't deserve to be adopted into your family. And yet, Father, you've said that we have a home with you. You've called us your sons and your daughters. You've adopted us into your family. Father, may we stand up and be counted as your children. May we celebrate heaven. May we celebrate the hope of heaven. Father, as we take this bread and take this cup, may we do so with joy. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul writes, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You see, the, the hope of heaven can be yours. The hope of heaven can be mine, all because of Jesus Christ and the price he paid. We place our faith in him. We don't place it in ourselves. We can be confident about our home being in heaven because of him, not because of us. I think this passage is pretty clear, is it not? It's as simple as it gets. For by grace you have been saved through faith. We trust we place our trust, our dependence in Jesus. And this not of your doing, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. You know, I will tell you, I've had loved ones that 
I've taken part in their funeral service. And, and you know, at the end of the day, I just hoped and prayed that they had made a commitment for Christ that I had not known about. I've done many funerals. I've probably done four or 500 funerals over the course of my lifetime. And you know, I always, I'm not God, you're not God. Only God knows where someone stands in relationship with him. Only God knows. But I believe one other person can know. And that's the person who's placed their faith in Jesus. Does that make sense? I can't see into your life, but God can open my eyes to the gospel, the good news. And I can come to that point where I say, today I place my life in your hands, Jesus. I'm no longer going to trust myself. I don't have the answers. I don't have, I'm trusting your plan. You gave your life for me. I want to live my life for you. You know, if you've never came to a decisive point in your life where you embraced Jesus, where you said, I'm claiming him. I'm following Jesus. I hope you do that. Don't live your life wondering. Don't live your life wondering. Your heavenly father, he's calling you. He longs for you to be his adopted child. What a special privilege. The prayer partners are here. You know, over this journey, um, we ask that you pray for us as we teach. Teaching on heaven's not the easiest thing to teach about. I'm sure y'all know I just love talking about death for about 15 minutes, right? But you see, death is robbed of its power and sting when we place our faith in Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the hope of heaven. We set our minds on it. Lord, let us live in light of eternity. Not our eyes set on this world, but with our eyes set on the treasure of heaven. We thank you. Be with us as we are a light into the world and go out of this place. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. <laughs>